City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face, -face. and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Uh, if you're watching on the NRB Network, DirecTV, Channel 378, or listening on AM820, The Truth, we welcome you. Um, hey, we're going to do a little test right now. I'm going to take a call right now, and we're just going to see if our phones are working. So let's see. Hello, are you there? Hello, Sean. It's working! It's working right now. Thank you for calling. We'll talk to you in a while. Now, listen, you see, we've had several weeks, probably four weeks of difficulties with our calls. And it's not sabotage from within the station. It's not volunteer uh, errancy. It's a change of a bunch of different technical deals. And we also wonder sometime if there's a saboteur sitting out in the parking lot with some kind of radar gun. And so we wanted to throw them off and show you that the phones are working at the beginning and see if they work when we go to them, so stay tuned. Heart of the Matter can be seen here, of course, on live television, through streaming video at HOTM.TV, uh, in our archives, uh, at our website, HOTM.TV, over the web, especially at YouTube. So wherever you're watching from, we welcome you. <clears throat> Anytime I meet somebody who uh, has come to know the Lord, especially out of Mormonism, the difference between them uh, is determined by the amount of time they spend in the Word. Show me a person who leaves Mormonism and dives into the Word of God, and I will show you somebody who is able to leave Mormonism behind completely. To help facilitate this, we have an open, never-denominational Bible study every week, God willing, up at the University of Utah from 2.30 to 3.30 p.m. All are welcome. Go to calvarycampus.com for more information. While you're driving in from 1 to 2 p.m. in the afternoon on Sundays, after your church services and things, Tune in to uh, AM820, The Truth, and you can hear Heart of the Matter replayed. So we hope you'll do that. It has finally arrived. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. It was uh, held back in New Jersey for a while. Those of you who have ordered the book, it's coming out to you starting tomorrow. They'll be mailed. If you order the book now, you'll receive that, plus the Bible verses, the Book of Mormon DVD free. All free for the price of just the book, which is $9.99. Um, it is also a highly controversial book uh, and um, one that I believe is very important for Christians to read today, especially in relative to the likes of men like Glenn Beck and the Dove World Outreach Centers in Florida and the Westboro Baptist Church types popping up today. Uh, we'll see if the bookstores carry it. Right now they all have copies. If they want to carry it, we'll see if they do. Uh, but until then, if not, you can always get it at www.hotm.tv. 
And uh, of course, I am a born again Mormon, or excuse me, I was a born again Mormon. It's still available at all those bookstores, Lifeway Christian Bookstores, Christian Gift and Bible, Calvary Chapel, Salt Lake, Utah Lighthouse Ministry, Oasis Books in Logan, Gift of Grace in Springville, Living Word Bookstore in Twin Falls, Idaho, Christian Center Books in Park City, and of course at www.hotm.tv. The Salt Lake Rescue Mission has a drive to help keep people who are less fortunate warm this winter. Join us by bringing in your new and gently used men and women's winter coats right here to the lobby of TV 20 between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday uh, through the end of February. TV 20 is located at 314 South Redwood Road and uh, between the I-80 and look at these, look at these thugs between the I-80 and uh, north of 400 South. They're greatly needed and greatly appreciated. So bring those in and help keep those who are less fortunate warm. Listen, God does bring people to him in this state. Uh, and it's very important for the provisions that he lays out to keep uh, Christians being trained and understanding things. I have with me for the next few moments two gentlemen who are going to talk about something exciting that they are involved in. Uh, and it has to do with the subject of preparing people, equipping uh, saints. Pastor Ross Anderson is this handsome fellow right here. And Joe Filer is right here standing next to me. What's up, gentlemen? Joe, why don't you tell us about what you're here to say? Sure. Um, <clears throat> we have a program called Adventure Discipleship Intensive, uh, ADI for short. And ADI has two programs. One is a three-month intensive program for people 18 to 30. It's designed to um, uh, equip people for ministry and missions. Um, we uh, also have another program where we're running night classes. Ross Anderson is one of our teachers, and his class is Understanding Your Mormon Neighbor. We have another class called Mormonism 101, and a third class that's called uh, Cross-Cultural Ministry and Missions. Okay. And are these uh, uh, classes accredited? Are they like college courses? They are. They're, they're accredited. Uh, if you come to the three-month program, it's uh, fully accredited if you if you take the classes. Each class is two credits towards your ministry degree. And where will the classes be held? Uh, there'll be two uh, locations. The classes will be in Salt Lake City and also in Ogden. Um, there'll be more details on that. Very good. Future. Is there a website we can start talking to them about? Yeah, the website is adiutah.com. Adiutah, that's easy, .com, right there on your screen. So if you have questions about how to participate in these courses, which are going to really be helpful to you in understanding how to relate understand about Mormonism and be able to uh, to reach out, do it. Now, I have next to me Ross Anderson. He's a pastor, was LDS, uh, very uh, intelligent man. He's written some great books about Mormonism. He's working on another one right now that uh, he'll be talking to us uh, with us in the future. But Ross, what do you have to say about ADI and what they're doing? Yeah, I'm excited about ADI because they're equipping believers to know how to share their faith in a, in a way that really makes sense in today's Utah. Uh, contemporary Utah, we're trying to, the class I'm teaching is really focused on not so much doctrine, comparative doctrine. There's a lot of great sources on that available, but we're looking at the Latter-day Saint people as a culture, a cultural identity. Who are they? What forms them? Who, what makes them who they are? Understand their lifestyle, their behavior, and if we understand their worldview, their behavior, their values, then we can understand how not to, how, how to and how not to uh, share the grace of Jesus with them. Awesome, awesome. Did you guys uh, brought a video clip, a short two-minute thing? Can we show that now? So now this is where we sing. You're soprano. I'm bass. I'm used to that. Yeah. Now, ADI, um, 
are you expecting people from the community to participate in this? Or are you talking about college-age students? Explain that to me. The intensive program is is uh, college-age, young adults, 18 to 30. Okay. Um, it's, it's welcome anybody that lives in Utah or wherever that they want to come from, and especially if they're thinking about cross-cultural ministry because the culture here is so different that this is a great place to get equipped for it. So okay. there's 20 hours of hands-on ministry um, and there's also 10 hours of adventurous uh, activities and uh, like rock climbing and things like that. And then uh, there's classes that they take in the morning and then living in community kind of like the disciples of Jesus did where they eat together, they pray together, they live together. So that's the intensive program. So are you going to then, I would imagine, because it, for instance in the summers we have a lot of groups from Ohio and Florida and places come, their they're young adult groups come from different colleges. Are you going to be able to tap in and maybe integrate your program with what they do out here? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Fantastic. All right, I think the video clip's ready. Let's take a look. Our God is an adventurous God, and He has an adventure for all of our lives. Utah is the state of adventure. From hiking, whitewater rafting, rock climbing, camping, fishing in the warmer months, to snowboarding, skiing, snowshoeing, snowmobiling, sledding, and ice skating in the colder months, Utah is home to some of the most beautiful sights that God has created. Yet, in the midst of all this beauty, Utah is one of the most spiritual dark areas in the entire U.S. Look at this map. The points of light represent evangelicals in the U.S. The brighter the lights, the more evangelicals there are. And since the Holy Spirit dwells in the evangelical, the more evangelicals there are, the higher the level the Holy Spirit. The darker the lights, the less evangelicals there are, the lower the level the Holy Spirit. Notice where this black spot is. That's Utah and its surrounding area. This makes Utah the largest mission field in the U.S. This darkest place in our nation is home to Mormonism, or Latter-day Saints. This LDS-based culture is so different that ministering here, even though it's in the United States, is still considered ministering cross-culturally, which makes this a great place to get equipped for cross-cultural ministry. Even if you're not sure of the adventure that God is calling you to, Adventure Discipleship will help you as you grow closer to Jesus and make Him the center of every aspect of your life. During this three-month program, you'll discover your gifts and be equipped to use them for the Kingdom of God. Hands-on is how adventure is done. Sure, we teach you and have class time, but most of your time will be spent involved in hands-on ministry or workshops, not to mention leadership and team-building trips such as rafting, camping, snowboarding, skiing, and alike depending on the time of year of your trip. The purpose is to equip mission-minded people to passionately seek Christ as the center of their lives and to lovingly and boldly make Him known cross-culturally to the darkest parts of the world and even right in their own backyards. The mission is to help students in their spiritual development as they find God's adventure for their lives as well as equip them to follow it. There's leadership development and team building through growing closer to God and to God's people, which will birth a passion for the lost and an adventure that God has called them to. Students will gain awareness of the needs and demands of evangelism, both locally and cross-culturally. We anticipate our students will find the adventure that God has called them to in full or part-time ministry or missions. God has an adventure for you. Come and get equipped for it. We hope you'll check that out. Now, Ross, um, what? <laughs> oh my gosh, Ross, you've gotten so much better looking. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is Kelly. 
Kelly is uh, here to uh, talk a little bit more about ADI. Uh, Kelly, what do you want to share with us? Uh, I came out here this summer um, on a trip from Southern California, and uh, God really put this ministry on my heart. And so I connected with Joe, and I've also come out here to teach some of the um, some of the classes. I'll be teaching a cross-cultural missions class, and uh, I'm doing some work with him um, as an intern in the area, um, working with a church plant. And um, uh, yeah, God has just really given me a deep passion for Mormon people, and I'm excited to be able to serve here. You know, uh, I just want to tell you, this is so important. I mean, every week we're praying that uh, Utah will catch on fire with the Holy Spirit. But God's going to do that as soon as the as people are equipped to help. So really appreciate what you guys are doing. Kelly and Ross and, and Joe, thanks thank so you. much. Thank you very All much. Right, thank you. We'll stay in touch. We'll keep it going. Okay, how about a segment from the Word? Through Matthew chapter 2 and we get to a verse that's a wee more difficult to absorb at least at first glance it sort of seems just like kind of like like information only in it I would suggest we find a subtle support for to, that will help you understand the Trinity okay go to Matthew 2:15. here Matthew quotes from the prophet Hosea and he's speaking of Joseph Jesus stepfather and he says when Joseph arose he took the young child, meaning Jesus, and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Now, who made that statement? Out of Egypt I have called my son. The Lord did through the prophet Hosea. And what is the name of the Lord who said this back in Hosea? We don't really know what, what his name is. What we do know is when you go to Hosea, we see that the Lord is the YHWH, the tetragrammaton. The, uh, it's the consonantal uh, name of the Lord that we don't know how to fill in the blanks. So we say Yahweh and, and we say Jehovah. And we use that as kind of the explanation for what those names, but we really don't know his name. Now, Christians say the name Jehovah is the best guess at a proper pronunciation of the everlasting almighty God. And would it make sense, it does, for God himself to say, out of Egypt, he has called his son. Would that make sense for God himself to say, out of Egypt, speaking of Jesus, I have called my son. It would, because his son became flesh. So the Lord, God, could say, out of Egypt, I have called my son. But Mormons say Jehovah is Jesus' name, personal name before he was born. And it just doesn't make sense for Jesus to say, out of Egypt, he has called his son, does it? When God's word is believed and unmolested, it works beginning to end. When men get involved with it, it makes all sorts of things go awry. All right, ending there, uh, we'll go to chapter 3 next week. If you're a regular on the program, you'll recall that my eldest daughter, Mallory, was not convinced about God or Christianity or anything. In fact, at July 10th of 2007, she was on this program, and we let her just express her views. And Mormonism will tell you that if you leave the church, your family is going to fall apart. And 
And so many people stay in the LDS church because they're so afraid that their children will quote unquote go astray. For this very reason, it takes a great deal of trust and faith and patience in the Lord to walk away from Mormonism, especially when your children do not follow right in behind you. But I want you to know that if you trust in God and you work in love and in prayer and patiently wait on him, he will bless you and your family for pursuing him. Take a look at what I was able to do at our home last week. God was planted in my brain from the day I was born, really. Uh, and up until I was about 14, I went along in the Mormon church, obeying commandments and doing what I thought was right. When in reality, I had no testimony of Jesus or knew who he was, really. And as I've grown older, and wiser, of course. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how or why, but I've lost touch with God, and moreover, I find myself uh, unsure if He even exists. People are constantly trying to tell me that they know God is truth in life. And how do they know? I mean, we really know nothing. And that attitude that people know only frustrates me further. Yes, I know when Jesus saved me, saved my soul. The very moment He forgave me, made me whole. He took away my heavy burdens. Lord, He gave me peace within. Peace within. Satan can't make me doubt it. I won't doubt it's it. It's real, and I'm gonna shout it. I'm gonna shout it. I was there when it happened, and so I guess I ought to know. Love your family. Praise God. Share what Jesus means to you of them in peace and love, and they will see what he's doing. Mallory came to me and said, Dad, I want you to baptize me. She's read the, the Bible through and through, uh, the New Testament. She's a committed uh, Christian, and uh, we praise God for the work he has done in her life. Our uh, hearts uh, go out to anybody who is searching. Just to let you know, all the photos were taken by Mallory's husband, Nicholas. And um, our hearts and love and prayers are now focused on him. So uh, how about some emails? We go to Garth. Garth says, I want everyone to know that there is a revival going on right now amongst the LDS people here in Idaho. My two younger brothers gave their hearts to the Lord, and so did a former co-worker and his son. And my parents are still professing to be Mormon, but they are now attending a never-denominational Bible study and will attend church with us occasionally at Calvary Chapel here in Idaho Falls when they are here for the summer. I just want to glorify God for all he is doing. The Lord is calling. He is calling everywhere for people of all walks to come to him. He's especially pulling on the LDS. Got a, 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 an email from Sweden. Uh, he, this is from a man named Benny, and he says that I need to consider, and he gives me about 15 passages I need to consider about how I treat callers who are LDS who call to argue with me. And um, I want you to know, Benny, that anyone can pick out single verses to win an argument. I know you can pick out verses from the Word that talk about, you know, how we need to interact with love and peace. I agree with that, really. But there's a time and a place contextually within the Bible for gentleness, and there's a time and a place for, um, for even mockery. We know that there are prophets of the Lord who mocked in order to reach people's hearts. All of these are found in Scripture. Uh, it all must be done and couched in love, and I can say that my actions for the LDS are loving. But I will argue and I will prod and I will even mock at times to get people to think, to have them 
feel something to try to reach through and then get the knowledge of Christ within them. Now, Jacqueline wrote that I had a testimony of the LDS church until I walked into the temple and I had a sinking feeling. The feeling followed me through the entire time I had to go through that. After I opened up uh, to a few select people about what I thought, they said, maybe you're not prepared spiritually. Try praying about it. You just need to study more. And I thought I was one who was just of little faith. I felt myself sinking because I thought I wasn't good enough to have the feelings that other people were receiving when they went into the temple. This is when I discovered snippets on your show on YouTube, and that feeling is changing, and I am coming out, and I can see it. I want you to know that when you go in that temple for the first time, and you experience that sinking feeling that, what is this? That is not something God wants you to be experiencing. I can tell you that right now. You know, all the claims about being Christian, etc. when they take these young people who for their whole life have been prepared to go through the temple and you go through and suddenly something's very wrong, I want you to know that that kind of, that kind of points to where Joseph went very wrong too. Finally, uh, David writes, Martha called you and told you about <clears throat> that Christians should not get involved in politics. Asked if Christians should get involved in politics. You asked, where in the Bible does it say you should not get involved in politics? And he then states, the Bible clearly says that we should oppose evil in all of its forms. She was completely correct. If we do not oppose evil, then it will take hold of us. And he keeps on going and going and going. And I just want you to know that, that you, didn't, you didn't quote David. You didn't give me anything from the Bible that says in the New Testament that's what Christians are supposed to do. You just responded by what you feel Christians are supposed to do. And then there was a mem uh, somebody named Ryan who sent us an article from uh, Christianity Today. And talking to Billy Graham in his old age, it says, if you could go back, would you go back and do something differently? Really interesting article. He says, of course, he would, and he talks about being involved in all these different weddings and funerals and speaking engagements. He says he would have studied more. And then he says, quote, I also would have steered clear of politics. I'm grateful for the opportunities God gave me to minister to people in high places. People in power have spiritual and personal needs like everyone else, and often they have no one to talk to. But looking back, I know I sometimes cross the line, and I wouldn't do that now, end quote. With that, why don't we, uh, oh, let me just say one more thing. We're going long in the announcements. But um, I had an opportunity to go with a good friend of mine, Chance, to meet with the bishop of his youth. Chance asked to have his name removed from the records of the church and his bishop, who had been very good to him as a young man growing up in his ward, wanted to speak with Chance face to face before the paperwork was uh, sent on. Because Chance respects this bishop so highly, he showed up at the requested meeting, asked if he could bring a friend, and that friend was me. Uh, the bishop was a very nice man, and <clears throat> which is an important thing because it makes abandoning ship all the more difficult for some people, especially young people. The bishop bore his testimony. The meeting was friendly. When I spoke, when I, when I, then when I first said something, the bishop looked at me and he said, I know of you. And I said, I know of you too. And he said, you don't know of me. And I said, well, I know of you in the capacity of a bishop. And then with uh, some light banner about what testimonies are and some things about the Book of Mormon, the bishop said, I'm not going to even attempt to uh, scripturally debate with you. Uh, to which I said, that's okay, but I want to know one thing. 
I said, I just want to know what will Chance miss out on by leaving the LDS church uh, that Christianity does not offer him? And I repeated the question for clarity, and the bishop thought for a moment, and he said, Chance will miss out on the opportunity to be involved in the blessings of the temple, of having an eternal family, of progressing in his life, and becoming a god. That's the quote, straight from him. And uh, I said, you're right, Christianity does not offer those things. We shook hands and Chance walked out of the office of a man who had been nothing but good to him, nothing but kind, and I'm sure it was difficult for Chance to do, uh, even though he knows the facts about Mormonism. My friends, there is a cost to following Jesus Christ and truth, out of Mormonism especially. You might leave behind fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers and friends and job opportunities and even creature comforts and happy association. Christ promised it would be difficult. He said it would happen. Trust in him and him alone. It can be difficult, but it is so bloody worth it in the end. And with that, let's have a prayer. God in heaven, we come to you and we love you and uh, we seek to uh, please you. We pray your spirit uh, upon our viewers, wherever they may be, upon our staff and volunteers and upon the technical things that we have before us. And we say this in Jesus' name, amen. I am going to open up the phone lines. I have a message here. It's short, but I can carry that over because we've got callers and I'm going to try to see if the phone lines are working. David in Salt Lake City, who is LDS first time caller. David, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hello, David. How are you? I'm all right. Um, you know, I, I actually, I want you to hear me out. I, I think you're Brigham Young reincarnated, and you're taking the uh, LDS people, and you're uh, leading them down the right path into Christianity, uh, and uh, you're correcting yourself from your past life, and I respect you for that. All right. And uh, I really do, Brigham. And I, I thought that was very beautiful baptismal that you did of your daughter. And uh, I, uh, I think that uh, you've been to the other side, and you've seen that uh, the Mormon Church is a bunch of hogwash, and you've been given an opportunity to come back here and, and correct it. Yeah, I have been given an opportunity. It's been a great blessing to me and my family. And it's a blessing to me. Well, because uh, I am LDS, and uh, I am too, uh, you know, just as you c came on, I, I had to mute the TV. I'm trying to get off the books myself. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and it's a challenge, because I do it, and I call the church office building and, and tell them my name, and uh, they, uh, they tell me uh, I'm still on the books, and uh, forever and all time and eternity type of thing, so... Hey, David, what are you going to uh, exit the Mormon church for? What are you going to go to? Uh, I got this Calvary I'm going to go to. It's awesome. like Pentecostal. Uh, Calvary Pentecostal? Yeah, I, I really do, Brigham. That's, that's us. You got to turn your TV down, Dave. I did. Okay. I'm sorry about that. Well, praise God. Uh, you know, why don't you just write your letter to your bishop? Go on uh, utlm.org or uh, and just check out how to get your name removed and just follow those instructions and you'll be able to do it uh, usually through those processes. Give me that one more time, please. utlm.org. Okay. Hey, Dave, thanks so much. Hey, uh, you're, you're doing it right this time. Thank, praise God. Praise God. Okay, bye-bye. I don't know about the Brigham Young reference. 
But uh, anyway, I hope I'm doing it right. Let's go to uh, Rebecca in Springville. Rebecca, first time caller, you're on the air. Hey, Sean, I just wanted to comment when you were talking about um, going to the temple. Yeah. Um, I went to the temple first time 17 years ago, and I remember as I was going through the process, I remember thinking, what is going on? <laughs> and, and I remember that sinking feeling. I, I remember just feeling so humiliated because I was always the last one standing. And I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing, and people were looking at me like, you know, hurry up, and and I I almost burst into tears because I had no idea what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And finally, when that whole ordeal was over, and and I had to, you know, walk through the veil into the other room. I I remember walking through, and just crying huh. and bawling, and I remember these people coming up to me. Um, I remember one lady in particular saying oh, you, you know, are you having a spiritual experience? And, and I looked at her and I said, I have no idea what's going on. Huh. And she was kind of mortified. She, she pointed me in the direction of a lady or of, of a gentleman to go speak to, and, and she says, well, maybe he could help you. And, um, and I remember nobody would, is, was able to tell me anything. Nobody could explain a thing, what was just going on. It did was, like, go, so secretive. Did you go back? And What was that? Did you go back? Um, I went back one more time thinking, well, maybe I just was, you know, just was stupid the first time and went back one more time and I never went back again. You know, the the guy, one, the first guy I originally talked to the first time gave me a phone number. He says, here, call this man. He might be able to help you. And I never called him. I was just so embarrassed and humiliated and felt so, I don't know. It was just. It was a horrible experience for me, and I don't know, maybe it was because I was only 19 no, or 20. No, it but wasn't. No, it was because you were, you were alive and you were looking around and you were using your mind to say, this does not make any sense. So you were right, uh, Rebecca. Praise God that you wa- never went back. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you for talking to me. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I want to explain something to you while the operators, the phones are, are clogged, but keep calling. The operators are clearing them. Let me tell you why it's so confusing. You see, you go through the church from, from cradle to when you go on a mission for a male or a female, or you get married, or the bishop just wants you to go through the temple. You've never been through the temple, but as a kid you sing, I want to see the temple, I'm going there someday. And you sing all about the temple, the temple, the temple. So you have these high expectations of what it's about. And, and what happens is you go in and you are exposed to this complete other universe. It's a completely different universe compared to what you grew up in for 18 or 20 years in the church. And suddenly you are doing all kinds of standing and sitting and rituals and hand movements and memorization on the spot and stand up if you don't want to be a part of this and everyone sits there quietly and then go to this place and recite this thing, which is about two paragraphs long and you can't remember any of it. And, and, and everyone talks in, in hushed tones and they gently lead you around and they all have this look about, this is so wonderful, isn't it? But no one's really connecting, at least for the first hundred times you go through exactly what is all about and and people when you go in there you and you go into their celestial room and you say hey what does that mean when you well you'll learn about that in time it will become an, uh, open to you and bottom line what they did was they took masonic rituals 
and they put them in the Mormon temple. Now, what you have to understand is all those people who go through, they are thinking they have to understand and get all that stuff down. It takes two hours to get it down in their head. They're supposed to know all that before they die so that they can go in and enter heaven when they die. It's a huge amount of pressure, and so it causes you to break, and you keep going back. Or, you know, a lot of people walk away. I had a friend, he got married. He and his wife, they walked out the door, and they threw the garments in the trash can and never went back. You know, some people are brave enough to do that. Some people are not. So that's why uh, that caller, Rebecca, said it was so devastating. That email said the sinking feeling because you step into a completely different world. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, a spider. I don't want to go on with it. We have two callers waiting, but it's kind of like a trap. You know, everything goes along. You're singing nice hymns. You have good youth programs. Everybody's happy. Families are staying together. And then you go to the temple and boom, you're in an altogether different religion. And then that's really what Mormonism is about. Getting you to that temple and having you perform at that temple level of activity. That's what it's about because that's what feeds the coffers. That's what keeps people going and the whole other thing. All right, we're going to go to Alan uh, in Salt Lake City. Alan, you're on Heart of the Matter. Alan, you got to turn your TV down. Hello? You're oh, on the air. I, sorry, I can barely hear you. Um, uh, I was uh, about to make a comment on what you said earlier. Yeah. Uh, that it's okay to go ahead and mock other people. Yeah. Uh, that it's biblical, mocking yeah. other, pe other people is biblical. Yeah. And I found that rather surprising, having been in, uh, you know, in Mormon polemics for some time. Yeah. And uh, when I saw some of the people's negativity of one faith attacking another, yeah. uh, I found uh, that uh, this is a very... You know, mockery is not really in any biblical passage. And okay, so I'm going to correct uh, you now. Okay, humility in Alan, discussion is I'm going to correct you now. Okay, the 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 biggest religious leaders of Jewish day, the members of the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus said they were children of the devil. He said they, John the Baptist said they were vipers. If you go back to the Old Testament, when um, oh, who was the guy? When the prophets of Baal. There was a challenge put out. Who was the prophet? Elijah. The prophets of Baal, they say, hey, we're going to show you who our God is. And so they get this wood and they dance around it and they're going to make fire right. come down from heaven. Okay, what did Elijah do when, he, uh, when it was his turn to get up to bat and light the wood on fire? He mocked the living heck out of them. The living heck out of them. So don't say it's not in the Bible. There are times when people now, need to be shaken. Also killed a few children. Well, look at I'm, you, they, I'm just I, I didn't him. say what the context was and whether he killed children or not. Are you a humanist that doesn't believe in the Bible? No. Okay, so you believe in the Bible. So we're talking about mocking in the Bible, and I just gave you two examples. You well, said there's well, not. Well, you said there's not a passage. Old, if you have an Old Testament reference, uh, that would be one. Uh, one bit of isolation, but there's plenty of uh, passages in the New Testament where it says that the tongue is an evil thing. It is. And but the and New Testament also says, James, "Contend earnestly he says for the exactly faith." Exactly the opposite of what you were claiming. Okay, Alan. The uh, uh, New I Testament. Quote, I can quote you context of that. The, the New want. Testament also says, "Contend earnestly for the faith." Yeah, contend is not mocking, though. If you look back at okay, the Greek, but I gave you other mocking. examples of mocking, Alan. 
You said there was nothing in the Bible. You said there was nothing in the Bible that exemplified mocking. I corrected you. Now you said, well, those were only a couple sources, but there's other verses. I said, Alan, I said there's a time and place for everything. There's a time for gentleness. There's a time for this. But there is a time for mocking. so you think that one overrides the other? I think uh, circumstance the mo- the overrides. That you're talking about uh, uh, Elijah was a demonstration also of uh, it was not in that context uh, a, a, oh, an idea of, that you have to mock people, okay? No, it was just an example that, of time and place. That? There's a time and place for everything, which is what I couched my remarks in, Alan. There is a time and place for everything, and there's a time when people who are gripping onto a false religion, there is a time sometimes when they should be mocked because they're worshiping a false god. That's important to me. I want them to know the true and living God, and if a little mockery will get them angry enough to search out their facts, I'll use it. Okay? So anger is a good thing to you. Anger is uh, not a necessarily yeah, a good I'm thing, but the Bible does not say don't be angry. It says don't go to sleep on your anger. So I make sure on Tuesday nights before I hit the pillow, I let you know everything that's going on. Okay? And, All right, and, Alan, thank you so much. Your voice is lulling. I appreciate it. The passages? What's that? What's that, Alan? Would you, you do not want me to finish the passages then? What passages, Alan? Uh, Which ones, I've Alan? I've got them in James. Okay, we can. You can pick out, like I said, you can pick out passages all you want that to prove your point. Contextually, as a whole, there's a time uh, yes, and place for everything. For everything, there is a season. Turn, turn, turn. I mean, we even sing about that, don't we? Of course, we do. Alan, uh, just give it up that there is a time and place for that. Okay. Uh, my question is, is Elijah talking about false gods? In that, um, okay, in you're, that you're now, you've crossed the line into boredom. And that is just not permissible <laughs> on this show. You might think that's mean, but I'm just shooting and, straight. So if you call again, we can have a real conversation, okay? Talk to you please. later. All right. Uh, let me see something. Okay, let's uh, go to Joe Scoville in Sandy, Utah. Joe, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes. Hello, Joe. How you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine. You're on the air. Yes. Oh, I wanted to ask you uh, in regards to Joseph Smith and his translation or his revelation in the book of Abraham. And I just read recently that that was all fake, that the papyrus that he supposedly read, he misread them, mistranslated them. And if that's the case, uh, that's the basis of me not really going to be a Mormon, because uh, I, I'm not sure that uh, that was a big fake. Is that true? Joe, that thing is the biggest of all the fakes, at least in ability to really show it. There's a book called uh, By His Own Hand Upon Papyrus. If you go to utlm.org, you can order that book, and it is an expose on the Book of Abraham and what Joseph Smith did with those funeral texts that he found scrolled up and claimed to have been the writings of Abraham. It's the biggest farce, and yet 
The LDS, you don't hear them talking much about that. You don't ever hear them say the Book of, they say the Book of Mormon, the Book of Mormon. That's what Joseph plagiarized from the Bible. It's so true. It's so true. Very rarely do you hear people call the show or talk and missionaries say, we have the Book of Abraham and the Pearl of Great Price. It's so wonderful. Why don't they do that? Because it's really laughable what he called the, the actual word of God and wrote it down and put it off as scripture. So you're right on the money with that, Joe. Keep searching. Check out UTLA for that book. Thank you. What's up? I said thank you very much. You're welcome, my friend. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. We're going to Ada in Salt Lake City, Utah. Second time caller. Ada, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi, Ada. Um, am I on there? You are. Okay. Um, I am um, was born LDS and raised LDS and married at 18 in the temple. And I served the church all those years and was told about it. And I remember when I was a little girl um, doing a testimony and everything to believe in Justice Smith, not knowing what I was talking about. But anyway, I went through the temple, and I used to do all this temple work, and I went through there many times. And the first time I went, I was so afraid, and they said, now, if you want to get up and leave, if you can't keep the promises of which you had no idea what the promises were, <laughs> yeah. that you, you were supposed to get up and leave, well, you weren't going to do that with 200 people sitting there. I, I was scared to death. Yeah. And like you say, no understanding up and down and backwards and put this on and that off, and yeah. you didn't even understand what they were saying, but... Then um, I got divorced, and um, the church was very hard on me, and I was very, very poor. And they called me in and told me that my children weren't dressed appropriately to be in their chapel. And I said, well, since when does God need clothing to come to church? They they just wore courts and a shirt. I didn't have money for a suit. And they said, well, no, no, we'll, we'll buy the children a suit because they have to have a suit. And I said, no, no, you won't buy my children a suit. Um, we won't come here because if we can't dress right. Yeah. So I study, started studying other things, and I always believed in the Bible. Yeah. And um, uh, it just came down to their judgment. Their yeah. judgment was so hard. So then I tried to get off their records. And I told them I didn't want to be a Mormon anymore and that I wanted my name off their records. And they told me I had to go in for a meeting, and I went in for the meeting, taking a friend like you went with yours. Mm -hmm. And uh, this bishop was so terrible. He told me I was of the devil. He told me that I had lost the Holy Ghost. And I said, well, I haven't lost the Holy Ghost. No one can take love from me. No one can take my relationship of God from me. You or no one can. And they told me I was evil and that God would not be with me anymore. And, you know, when I walked out of that meeting, I uh, felt like 400 pounds had been taken off my shoulders. Yeah. It was so overwhelming. Um, Ada. That is, I really appreciate you sharing all that because right now there are people listening to this and they, they resonate completely to your message. And so, uh, are you a, 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 a Christian these days? Are you? Oh, yes. I, 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 I just 
love God and the Lord, and I I, I study the the Bible uh, daily, and I appreciate your show, and I just hope that the people that listen will uh, search the Bible and do some comparison because the Mormons are not Christian, and and it's, you're doing a wonderful job bringing this to the surface. Because, Thanks. Thanks, Ada. Uh, God bless you. Thanks for your comments. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Uh, we have two questions off air, and then we're going to go to Jacqueline in Alberta, Canada. Uh, it's a, one is, uh, religion is all fiction. That's what this person says. That's a really big statement. I mean, if you're... I don't even know how you can make that statement. First of all, religion, that giant category, what does that mean? Faith? Or does that mean institutions? Is all fiction? Uh, I'm holding a book right here, which is considered to be a religious book, and it's not fiction. So I don't know what that means. Now, if you're talking about religious practices that religions institute to get people to conform, yeah, there you have a great point. But religion all being fiction, I'm not sure I agree with that. Another one, is there going to be a fight in the last days with the LDS and the Lamanites? Uh, you know, memory does not serve there being a, a war between the Indians and the Mormons. I know that there's a, a, something about the Indians blossoming as a rose and then uh, overcoming and taking over uh, the nation, uh, according to Mormon doctrine, but not fighting with them. So, no. Jacqueline in Alberta, Canada, first-time caller, LDS. Jacqueline, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi, Jacqueline. Um, I just had a comment to make. Yeah. Um, over Christmas, um, my brother-in-law, we, most, of my member, uh, most of my family members are members. Uh-huh. Um, anyways, we just kind of got talking about church stuff, and he was talking about how um, the patriarch who gave him his patriarchal blessing, actually, he found out he um, was sent to jail um, two years ago um, because he was a pedophile. And he went on to say that... Um, it didn't matter that he was uh, a convicted felon um, when he got to the patriarchal blessing because he still had the power from God and he was still um, he was still able to do God's work even though he had, was a sinner and was a pedophile. Wow. Yeah, and so actually that's what kind of sent me into my search, and I've been finding out a whole bunch of stuff about um, the church that's just scary. And for them to be, um, and I guess what made me worry was because the church always said that um, they would always know the heart of somebody and they would never let someone dishonest in right. a higher position. Right. And so it just gave me this sinking feeling because, I mean, a patriarch is always known to be like a great man yeah. in the church. And for him to be giving all these people patriarchal blessings and then to find out he's a pedophile, it's just sick. Now, your brother wasn't a child when he got his patriarchal blessing, was he? No. Oh, good. No, he wasn't. <laughs> Thank God. So, but I couldn't believe it because I asked him, like, so you didn't go get another one? And he said, no, I didn't need to because even though he was a sinner, he still had the power of God with him. Yeah. And I don't like to think that anyone who's a pedophile has the power of God with them. It's hard, it's hard to understand that, isn't it? Yes. You know, especially within the context of Mormonism, because they're the ones who lay up the rules. You have to be worthy to do those things. You know Exactly. Yeah, and that's what so, we were always taught, that everyone was supposedly worthy. But I guess I was thinking, well, shouldn't they have known? Should, if this was the true church and they say what they do, wouldn't they have known what kind of person he was? Exactly. Great call, Jacqueline. Thank you so much. All right. Thank hey, you. Hey, Jacqueline, keep searching. All right. Thank you. Okay. 
Blake in Salt Lake City has a comment about something. Blake? Blake is, Blake is gone. We're going to Valerie in West Valley. Valerie, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi, Valerie. I have a question. Okay. I left the Mormon, actually, I was excommunicated from the Mormon church because I wanted it that way. And I now live with my grandmother, who is 94, and we watch your show all the time. And Hi, Grandma. <laughs> thank you. And she would like to have her name taken off of the Mormon role. Okay. But we're not quite sure what she needs to do. Do you have the internet, Valerie? Yes. Okay, go to utlm.org. Utlm.org. And look for a thing that says, remove your name. And it will give you directions. It will actually, there's even forms about what you should do. It'll give you sample letters and things. Okay. If, if for some reason that doesn't work, go to H-O-T-M, heart of the matter, H-O-T-M dot TV. Dot TV. And you can get uh, similar forms there about removing your name. And tell your grandma I'm proud of her. Does she know the Lord? Oh, yes. She's awesome. She's a strong member. We know Janet. We go to Granger Christian Church. Excellent. Yeah. She's, she's been a Christian since leaving that horrible church. <laughs> very good. Well, tell her, thanks for watching, you guys. Thank you very, very much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. We're going to Kimber in Roy, Utah. Kimber, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi, Kimber. Uh, hi. Um, I have. I just wanted to say that uh, when I was younger, I got baptized for the dead, uh -huh. and I was a Mormon, and I was raised Mormon, and I don't remember ever reading from the Bible, or we didn't have one in our home, and when I would go to church, I don't remember really seeing a Bible, and so... I've since then I've became a Christian and I have searched the Bible and I don't know where it says that a person can be saved after they've been dead, but the Mormon Church says that you can be baptized for the dead, and they baptized me like fifty times in all these for all these different dead people and told me that they were saved. Isn't that a strange practice? What's that? Isn't that a strange practice? Yes, it's a very strange practice, but I was totally unaware yeah, there's that nothing. it's not in the Bible. There's nothing in the Bible that says that, Kimber. Nothing. So, um, you know, you just uh, keep on going in your Christian church and your Christian faith and reading the Bible and trusting the Lord and put all that dunking for the dead behind you, okay? Okay, is there anything that's going to happen to me for being involved in that? No, nothing at all. You're saved by the grace of God, and He understands that you just did what you were thought was right. Okay. You don't uh, worry about it. Okay, uh, I don't know if this is the proper, if you're the proper person to ask about this question, but 
I don't understand. I did read the part about how God was angry because of the giants of the earth. Yeah, that was way back in Genesis, yeah. Yes, and was that the reason for the flood? No, the reason for the flood was violence. Violence was everywhere, and the heart of the people sought evil continually. Yeah, it wasn't because of the, the giants. Okay. <laughs> you hang, hang in there, Kimber. You take care. Okay, thank you, Sean. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We have Glenn in Star Valley. Glenn, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah, Sean, how you doing? Yeah, Glenn, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Uh, I've got a question for these missionaries. And uh, most of the people that have been in church have been on a mission anyway, the man and that. And uh, They need to ask themselves that uh, when they were on their mission, if their real goal, their number one goal was to bring somebody to Christ or have them join the Mormon church. Mm. And I think most of them, their number one mission, why they go is to have somebody join the Mormon church, right? Yes. Well, then they need to search their own soul and wonder if they've taken somebody away from Christ. Because their number one mission should have been to bring somebody to Christ. That is a really good point, Glenn. And And if they've taken a person away from Christ, how do they feel about that? Well, they're going to say by bringing them into the church, they're bringing him to Christ. That's their justification. But that was not their number one mission. And deep in their hearts, they know it was to get somebody into their club. That's right. And their cult. That's right. They need to be honest with themselves. And if your number one mission isn't to bring somebody towards Christ, then you're doing the wrong thing. Amen. Glenn, what a great point. Really appreciate that. glorify Christ. That's right. And I think that's why you're doing what you're doing, is to bring people to Christ to get them out of this darkness of the Mormon church. I pray that's the end result. God bless you. Thanks, Glenn. Hey, great point, man. I mean, you go, you meet anybody. You meet anybody on a subway. You got Joan or Jane or Jim or Jerry, and they run into somebody and they're Christian. They are going to share Jesus and what he brings. They're not going to say, hey, come to this church. You need to come to this church only. They're sharing Jesus, planting seeds for Jesus. But you meet a Mormon, it's all about making you a Mormon every time. Now, they guise it by saying, we want to bring you to Christ. We're leading you to Christ and get into this church. But you talk to any Christian from any denomination, they just want you to understand who Jesus is. That's a major difference. Really appreciate, Glenn, for pointing that out. Uh, before we go to Jason in Vacaville, California, what do you think, writes Christy, of the military? I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I am grateful for the military. I'm grateful for the service they provide. I'm grateful for what they do. Uh, and uh, you might say, well, you know, wait a second. Aren't you talking about all this? Don't get involved in politics and stuff. I'm talking about the Christian body. Now, the military is full of non-Christians, atheists, Krishna people, Catholics, Mormons, Jews, everybody is in the military and their job is to protect the country for which they belong. And I'm grateful for the military of this country and for their sacrifice to give us the freedoms that we have. I would be, it would be remiss though if a pastor got up and said, it's your Christian duty to be in the military. Everybody must. That would be wrong. And so that's what I'm talking about when I say it's not the body of Christ's job to be involved in social reform or policing the nation. But I am grateful for the military, and I believe that if there's a draft and you're called as a Christian to go to war or join them, then you go. I am not against that. I'm just saying, you know, and, and I, so I wanted to make that clear. All right, let's go to um, 
Jason in Vacaville, California. First time caller. Jason, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, how you doing, Sean? I, I found you on YouTube, and I uh, really appreciate what you do. Oh, thanks. Um, I'm out in California, and um, where I live, there's quite a few Mormons, and I run into them a lot. And uh, I was witnessing to some guys the other day, and um, some missionaries, and it came up, I was trying to get to the point of the gospel, and I asked him, well, what is it that saves you? And he said, faith alone in Christ. And it kind of threw me. I didn't expect that answer. And so I know the Bible well, and I could launch into that, but I wanted to have, because I don't have any Mormon background, what would you say to them when they say that, like, uh, what could I say about, you know, the temple, you know, endowments, all that? Where should I go? Because I don't want to come off sounding like uh, know-it-all, because I don't, obviously, about that. Where would you go when somebody says that to you? It's a really good question, Jason. We've got two minutes left, let me just say. Uh, if a Mormon, today the Mormon missionaries are kind of being trained to say that because it just throws people right off. Really? I, I'd never, I had never had one say that to me before. Yeah. And I've talked to a lot of Mormons. Because they're being duplicitous. They are not telling you the, the whole truth. You have to say to them, well, this salvation, I am saved by grace alone through faith. Yes, you are. Does that mean I live with Heavenly Father again just by grace? Yes, you will. Are you sure about that? Well, then do I need to be baptized? Do I need to go through your temple to receive the new and everlasting covenant and to receive my endowments? Do I need to endure to the end? Do I need to pay my tithing? And they will say, yes, 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 you do, if they're honest. If they say, no, you don't, then you say, well, elder, you're lying to me. Because you know that's the fact, and you see, but they, be, they are a very slippery group, and they will say whatever is necessary uh, to get you to believe that they are going down the Christian line, but absolutely not. Their doctrine absolutely, categorically does not teach that you are saved by grace through uh, faith. Not at all. If, if they are not sealed in marriage, do they still get to go to the, the highest kingdom? or is that Not the highest. Or? They can go into the celestial kingdom if they're a baptized member by a Mormon in the Mormon faith, but they do not get to go to the highest degree, which is where you are able to copulate for eternity and pump out children. Okay, so I, I shouldn't use that just to say get, to get to heaven, only the highest heaven. Only the highest, and that's those people who are married for time and all eternity. Okay. All right. Hey, Jason, well, thanks so much. That more. God no bless problem. you. Thank you, Sean. Okay, bye-bye. And that was one of the only things that almost kept me being a Mormon was the idea that for an eternity. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Anyway, uh, God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in. We are trying to reach people with the grace of God, the good news. Keep tuning in. Open your Bible. Pray to the Lord. See you next week here in Heart. I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. I'm going to break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty cage.